Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Either make a case against it, bring the resistance you have, or do it. What happens in the submission rebellion cycle is I'll kind of do it and then pull the relationship down into being a dabbling one, which the teacher will serve that. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Now that we have a firm handle on the context of individual consciousness, we can dive into the content, specifically the distinction between surrender and submission, how our society tends to conflate the two, and why this distinction is actually critically important when it comes to coaching, self-management, and growth of any kind. Also, it's that time again. I have a new course beginning January 7th, 2021. It's called Self-Authority, Access to Authentic Power, and I'm excited to tell you about it. You know, I like to say there are six things with which humans have profound difficulty and confusion. God, sex, love, money, death, and power. I just finished a live course on money. It's called Money from Burden to Freedom, and that's now available online. It went so well that I thought I'd do the same thing with power, especially because a lot of people's money issues that came up had to do with power. They're intertwined in some significant ways. So it just made sense for the next course to be about power. Most people either crave power too much or don't own the power that they have. And it can depend on the domain for the person. The root issue, though, is inevitably your relationship to power itself and how power was misused in your childhood, especially against and with you. Because the first people of power in our lives is our parents. So unless you claim to have perfect parents, you, like the rest of us, have power issues. Power issues show up hugely in romantic and management relationships, any close relationship with a person, even friendships, but they can also be more subtle and leak into domains of money and spirituality. In short, power is one of those things you really want to clean up in yourself if you care about living a conscious and authentic life. And if you're ambitious and want to make things happen, it's even more important that you clean up your relationship to power before you have a lot of it or try to exert a lot of it because your stuff is going to get thrown in your face when you do. So this course in the end is about ending the cycle of chasing power and or not standing in the power you already have. To learn more, go to clearandopen.com slash authority. Again, that's clearandopen.com slash authority. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. Let's start the show. So what does it have to do with learning for change? Anybody have any ideas for 500 points? Isn't it about surrendering to the change? Exactly. That's what it's about. So let's talk about a distinction. That was good for 500 points. Thank you, Rebecca. Let's talk about it. Let's make a distinction between surrender and submission. Submission is what the Catholic Church wanted us to do, or the king at the time, or the 
whatever. We have a long history of authority figures asking us for submission and then their own corruptness uh, causing us to be taken advantage of. So we as a species woke up to that and we're not okay with that anymore. And we have examples like, uh, you know, quite recently, Adolf Hitler, right? He was uh, one of the most famous dictators we've had in the last uh, few hundred years. And there was a whole lot of submission, like, okay, well, we'll do whatever you say. And that didn't go very well. So we're quite allergic, as the Germans like to say. We're quite allergic to submission dynamics. We're really aware of when an authority figure is asking us to submit because it threatens our sense of individuality, threatens our freedom, and we get very suspicious about that, and rightly so. But where the baby was thrown out with the bathwater, one of my favorite expressions, where the baby is thrown out with the bathwater is when submission, unhealthy submission, and appropriate and healthy surrender, which I'll define in a moment, get conflated, confused, fused together, which is literally what confused means. They get fused together. And people don't know the difference. And here's an easy way to parse that. Have you ever had the experience where someone told you about what they thought you should do or how they thought you should be or whatever? And you said to yourself, well, I don't agree. I think I know what's best for myself. And then sometime later, you realize they were right. Has that ever happened to any of you? Right? It happens to us all, doesn't it? In the beginning, it's usually our parents. And boy, do we hate when they're right, right? I don't know. I think you're adding too much salt to that soup. No, no, it's fine. I know what I'm doing. And then you can't even eat it. And then you're pissed for two reasons, right? One, you ruined your soup. And two, someone besides you was right. Now, why does that piss you off so much? You notice that? When other people know us better than ourselves, we get kind of itchy sometimes. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's uncomfortable facing the reality that sometimes someone other than us knows what's best for us. But it's easy to demonstrate that that's often true, isn't it? I mean, just by being someone else, that person has a perspective on you and your situation that you don't have. Sometimes they know better. Surrender, healthy surrender. I'm defining surrender as healthy. Healthy surrender is a relaxing, a letting go into a surrender into the fact that sometimes someone other than us sees our situation better than we do, sees the truth better than we do. And we can go with it. We can choose to go with it. In other words, we can use our individual authority to go with the authority of the person who sees it better. So let's make this an even more grounded example. Me, I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. I'm presenting myself here as an authority. I've done stuff and learned stuff, and I'm passing that on here for your consideration. 
when people come to me as clients or members for help, there's an implied dynamic of surrender. That's the idea. The idea is if you could solve your issue, ameliorate your suffering, deal with your problem, whatever, on your own entirely, well, you wouldn't need me, wouldn't need anyone else. You would just do what you need to do, right? But you're asking for help from someone else. Why? I mean, this is sort of obvious stuff, but I'm just sort of uh, breaking this down here. Implied in that, implicit in that, is a surrender to the fact that sometimes other people know things that we don't, right? That's the idea. So that when you're on the receiving end, then, of that help, notice what happens then. Because I gave you all that history review because I'm wanting to assert, I'm not just wanting to, I'm about to. It's going to happen right now. I'm asserting that the teenage mentality of our culture causes a cake-and-eat-it-too dynamic. And the cake-and-eat-it-too dynamic is, I need help. I can't figure this out myself. What do you think? And then the external authority says, here's what I think. And then they go, well, what the hell do you know? I got to figure this out myself. Now, most of you probably don't consciously experience that kind of resistance, but that don't mean it ain't there. So the governing dynamic of coachability, which is something I'm going to be talking more and more about as we move to the second half of this course, well, we are in the second half, as we get into the meat of the matter, because as always, we start with context and now we're moving into content. The content of it is the governing dynamic for how fast you can change is primarily based on your ability to sort out the difference between healthy surrender and unhealthy submission. Because with the thousands of people I've worked with over the last 18 years, I'll tell you a little secret for someone who's in a position like mine. About 80% of my energy is spent navigating resistance, navigating the helpies' inability to sort out the difference between surrender and submission. That's what I'm doing. Being very careful to provide information, insight, perspective, whatever, right up to the point where it threatens the person's individuality because there's always this danger of, of them saying, screw you, what do you know? Especially when I'm right. Especially. Is tracking so far? Making sense? So that's my job. And when I, we're make, I'm going to make this personal to me and clear and open, but this, I hope it's clear. This applies to any time you're learning from anyone especially if they're an authority figure, but even when they're not. Anytime you look for advice, counsel, whatever, from someone external, this is going on and almost always unconscious to you. In fact, I would say the degree to which you don't track the internal resistance that has a reflexive, what the hell do you know, 
in you to the degree you don't notice that is the degree to which it's there. Because it's quite possible to notice the resistance and then just set it aside and be like, hmm, well, I hired this person to teach me guitar lessons and they gave me this assignment. And now I'm thinking, well, what the hell do they know? They're the guitar teacher. They're better at the instrument than I am. And I'm using that example because that was me. For 20 years or so, not consciously, but indelibly, I had the idea that I knew more about how to get better at guitar than the guitar teachers I occasionally hired. And I would, what happened was, and I wasn't experiencing it this way, I'd hire the guitar teacher. I get told the story once of the, the first one I saw. He was like, okay, well, you need to memorize where every A is on the fretboard. That's your first assignment. I never went back to the guy because I sat down and that was hard and I didn't like it. So then I justified, well, this is hard. And I don't like it. And then there was a fork in the road. Surrender would have been, hmm, well, he's way better at guitar than I am. And he's the teacher. He's taught many people before. He thinks I need to memorize where all the A's are. And my point of view is, I don't like that. So which is the better case? (laughs) That would be surrender. Well, surrender would be, well, he's got a better case. He's got the experience. I hired him to tell me what to do. I guess I'll just surrender to do it. But the part of me that felt like I was submitting rebelled against it. Well, this sucks. This is boring and hard and I don't want to have to do this. I want to make music. Well, I think I know better. You see, there's the fear of submission. This guy's going to waste my time. He's not going to really make me a better guitar player. Maybe what if it doesn't work? No, I'm not going to do that. That's the submission rebellion loop. Rebecca? Um, Yeah. You know, I find myself going into that automatically. Like that. Really and, but then um if i can reframe it and say you know okay so how how being the magic word how is it that you know i may not agree with it but how is this true then that has been a way that i've been able to open that door yeah and critical thinking is a big ally here see the course clear thinking for that because the the submission rebellion loop is not critical thinking. Usually it doesn't have much of a case. And if it does, they usually sound like excuses. So it's not about pretending it's not there or like trying to rewire your brain or something so that you don't do it. That's impossible. It's just about seeing the resistance. First, owning that it's there. Resistance is there. It's real. And the worst thing you can do is pretend that you're not resisting. We're all resisting all the time. Everywhere, in anything you're doing, there's resistance. You know how like uh, uh, when you put electricity through a wire? Well, you know, and we do this, we're doing this all the time right now, these lights, this monitor. Not all of the electricity gets through. There's resistance. Some of it is lost. I love that as a metaphor because it makes resistance okay. Sometimes resistance is even useful. You know, transistors and stuff, all the certain amount of resistance, semiconductors based on resistance. So it's not about no resistance. And we're conditioned to think resistance is bad. No, resistance just is, right? Like it's cloudy right now. Resistance is. It's about being aware of it and tracking it. Maybe that resistance is trying to tell you 
that what the person is, is offering you is not your path. That could be. I'm not saying submit. That's the thing. I'm not saying, you know, when you hire a teacher or a coach or a music teacher or whatever, do whatever they say. I'm not saying that. That's submission. I'm saying if you choose not to do what they say, you better have thought that through. Like really carefully. So my job, uh, and when I say my, I'm talking about all teachers' jobs, is to try to package the information so that it's challenging enough to move you along, but not so challenging that it triggers your submission rebellion loop. Your job is to track your resistance and take responsibility for it. So if you don't do an assignment, you look really carefully at why not. I'm doing my job. I create the assignments. I make it so that they're not going to tear your world into a thousand pieces if you do them. They're just going to move you a few percentage points. I, I make it so that they're, you know, they don't tear apart your existing worldviews, make you feel shame, make you feel bad about yourself. I do my best to make them supportive, engaging, interesting, fun. I use humor. I try to keep things light. All of that is for you. I enjoy doing it. But you you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to say that that's all for you. But the thing that people don't get about this role or this relationship is you've got a job too. And that means if I email you a question, you answer the freaking question. Because when you ignore the question or I send you an email and you wait three weeks to respond, you're not doing your job. See what I mean? And so what happens is when, when people become their rebellion and change the relationship such that I'm having to pursue them with truth and like sell them on the idea of change. Because most of the people I work with, what's going on is they've hired me to help them change. And then I give them the steps to take to change. And then they don't do them and put me in a position where I have to keep selling them on the same ideas. You see? So, you know, imagine I go back to this guitar teacher and he's like, okay, show me all the A's you find, find, found. And I show him two. I don't know how many A's are on a footboard. I probably should know that. <laughs> I can find 10 pretty quickly. But there's at least, you know, let's say there's 15 of them. And I show him two. Now I've put him in the position of having to reiterate the assignment, right? We can't go on to the next thing. He's got to be like, he's got to go, hey, great job. You know where two A's are on the fretboard while he swallows his frustration and exasperation about the kid who doesn't didn't do the assignment. But hey, he's a more enlightened kind of guitar teacher. He's going to be like, all right, well, I'm going to go with reality. He went from knowing no A's to two. That's something. He had two weeks. It really only takes a couple of hours, but okay, he's got two A's. And he's going to spend that lesson, at least half of it, going, let's see if we can find some other A's. Now he's going to hold my hand to help me do something I could have done myself. You see? 
I've caused that relationship to be dumbed down to the level that I showed up as. Not dumbed down to the level where I am, because I had the capability of putting in that time. But how I showed up was, eh, I don't really feel like doing it, but I'll go back to this lesson, you know, because my mom's paying for it and I want to get better at guitar, or at least so I say. You see, that completely reframes the relationship. And now he's got, he's dealing more with my resistance to doing difficult work and instead of teaching me guitar. That's what's happening all the time. So and then imagine, you know, I'm the control group, say, in that case. Then imagine, you know, my friend Joe, he's doing this, has the same teacher, does the assignment, and comes back to the teacher and says, you know what? I found all of the A's. Let me show you. I can even do it with a metronome at 100 BPM. Ta-da. Check that out. Teacher's like, whoa, awesome. And then Joe, far better work ethic than Joseph in this case, I said, I also found where all the E's are and the C's. And I practiced two hours a day. Teacher's like, wow, amazing. Well, you just shaved off a month of teaching. Now we can go on to this other thing. Now the teacher is called forth in a completely different way. And it changes the outcome entirely. Because the teacher's job is to meet the client or student or what patient, whatever, to meet them where they are. That's my job. I can't push anyone beyond where they're not willing to go. But here's the key distinction. Not beyond where they say they're willing to go. I can't push people beyond what they show me they're willing to go. So having worked with thousands of people, I can tell you, just just happened to me recently. I started working with a client four months ago. One of the fastest moving clients I've ever had. I was having difficulty with in an intimate relationship that was also related to a business. He was uh, co-running uh, with his spouse. And uh, I sent him some pieces that I'd written and I said, well, well, you know, sounds like you're this personality type and you're this personality type. And he's like, what's that? Oh, that's the Enneagram. You know, you might want to take a look at at this book, this Enneagram book. He got the book. He started telling me about all the Enneagram conflicts, things that he was going on. He became like an expert in the Enneagram in like two weeks. And then he said, yeah, and now I see all of these business problems are caused because we've been trying to co-run the business. And he read my piece about, you know, there can only be one leader and organizational strategy and all that. And he redrew the entire org chart. And after three months, he doesn't need me anymore. Or so he thinks. There's more, but he may not want to go any further. But he made changes in three months that I, in those same exact kinds of changes, I've worked with some people for three years and never make any headway on that. So, the, the frame I think most people have is when they go to a guitar teacher, a business coach, or whatever, is that person's responsible for making me good at this thing. But you see, that's not how it works. You're responsible for making you good at that thing. And the only way the teacher is responsible is if you eclipse them. If you become such a hungry learner 
and get everything there is to get such that that person can't serve you anymore, well, now it's on them. Now you got to find someone else. So it's very, very unusual for someone that I work with to wring so much information and insight and guidance out of me such that they eclipse me because I've been in this for two decades. Now, if I were to have someone who is this hungry, uh, I think I could probably tell them everything, like depending on who they are and what their conditioning is. Three to five years, maybe even two or three years. You know, it's like one of my guitar teachers said, Well, of course, you've got to practice six hours a day. And the guy was quite good. He was almost a virtuoso. And so I was only willing to practice like an hour a day. So he adjusts his whole curriculum, his whole style, the whole relationship to that. But the thing that I'm wanting you to get here is there's so much more. There's so much more. And it's likely you've only scratched the surface. So this goes back to my advertisement last time because I wanted to revisit this and make sure. Did I sell you on the whole hog plus postage concept well enough? That's whole hog. So the, the idea is if you hire a teacher, Unless you have a good reason in any moment not to, you do everything they say. That's what I do. You do everything they say. And if you're not sure about something or you notice resistance or you're grappling with something, then you bring that to the relationship. You bring the resistance to the relationship. You say, you know, you told me to find all the A's and uh, I found two, and honestly, when I was starting to work on it, it just gave me a headache, and I started to hate the guitar. And a good guitar teacher would say, you know what? I know exactly what you mean. That headache, that's because your brain is changing. You're changing the way you look at the fretboard, and like you're making new neurological connections. So I know it doesn't feel good, but that tension you're feeling in your head, eventually you're going to learn to associate that with learning. And that's exactly the thing you need to steer into. And then the student go, oh, okay, well, I didn't realize that. But when I'm practicing this scale and I try to do it fast, it makes my fingers hurt. And the teacher would say, I know exactly what you mean. There's some pain that you need to avoid. If it feels like sharp pains, you can actually injure yourself. But it's just sort of a dull tiredness. Keep going. Just like when you're exercising. Oh, okay. But if the student doesn't bring the resistance they have, then the resistance runs the show. And that's usually what I'm doing a large portion of the time with people. Now, the meta context for this is, of course, I don't know how fast you should change or learn something. That's between you and you and you and life. I'm just sort of shouting from the rooftops here. It's possible to go faster. Maybe. And here's how you do it. That's how you do it. When I studied jujitsu, I did everything the jujitsu teacher taught me. And I was at the top of my class, the only one in my class to reach black belt. And then I moved to the West Coast and I learned Aikido. And in the beginning, I tried to do jujitsu in the Aikido dojo. 
And this one guy, boy, did he beat that out of me. Wouldn't let any of it work. Just blocked it every time. He said, no. And he knew jujitsu too, so he could do it. And uh, he said, no, that's jujitsu. That's jujitsu. That's jujitsu. So I was at the point of tears. It took me probably six months to unlearn and stop bringing that stuff and actually show up on that mat like I knew nothing. That's frustrating because a, a totally new student with no martial arts experience actually had a leg up on me. I had to unlearn. Unlearning is hard. But I surrendered. But why would I put my foot here? In jiu-jitsu, we did the same technique, only this way. And I did that for four years. Yeah, well, you're not in that dojo anymore. You're going to do it this way now. But I already know how to do it. But I want to do it this way. I had to change. I had to I changed the way I learned to roll. And it's hard to, for non-martial artists, it's hard to, that's like changing the way you walk. You know, when you learn to roll in a martial art, there's sort of rolling cultures. Every dojo has its own kind of roll style. And jujitsu tends to have a very tight, quick roll that um, works well on thick mats that jujitsu people tend to have. But on thinner mats, you learn really quickly that that roll doesn't work. I had to change the way I roll. That's like brushing your teeth with the other hand. It's that uncomfortable. It's that, oh, this feels terrible. Learning to write with the other hand. It's like that. But you do it. Or it's up to you. Or you can be in Aikido Jojo and practice the wrong martial art and insist you know better all that time. Well, didn't you come to this dojo to learn this art? See what I mean? So people come to me because they want their business to be different. And then I say, okay, we'll do this. And I'm like, but this is the way we've been doing it this other way for 20 years. Yeah, I know. And you've come to me to learn a different way, right? So how long are you going to wait? A day? A month, a year, a decade, that's that internal sales cycle that I sometimes talk about. Another key dynamic for learning for change. The minute you get or even suspect there's a better way, the clock is ticking, waiting for you to try it out. This is what I see. Most people have an extremely low standard for their speed of change. And then they tell themselves, well, change takes time. Horseshit. Change doesn't take time. Take time. As I said before, your negotiation with time, with change takes time. Your negotiation with change takes time. But if, and it especially takes a lot of time if you don't even realize you're negotiating with it. So your job as a student in whatever you're doing, if, you, if you're ready to stop dabbling, is if the thing makes sense, if the teacher says, find where all the A's are, and here's why that's important. So you're soloing in the key of A. You know, in order to not get stuck in this one box, you got to be able to jump to another place on the fretboard and still be in the key of A. Well, if you don't know where the A's are, you're not going to be able to do that. Oh, that makes sense. I'm going to learn it tomorrow. Or you could be you could be the Joseph of twenty years old. Now I'll think about that for twenty years. <laughs> That's what I did. So the consequences are that I'm in a solid intermediate guitar player at the age of forty-five, 
when if I had just surrendered, I might be really great. Who knows? Is it all perfect in the grand scheme of things? Sure. But in content, the point is, see the possibility for yourself. What would happen if you really dove in? And you don't have to dive in. You know, It's one moment at a time. Right. So maybe that guitar teacher tells me to learn all the A's one week and has a compelling reason why. And then the next time he says, learn how to uh, fret the guitar with your nose. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure about that. I don't think that's going to help me become a better guitar player. And he says, well, you know, if you ever lost a finger, you might need your nose to make up for that missing finger. I'm like, well, that's not such a compelling case. Because I still have all five fingers. I mean, if I were to lose a finger, I might then try to learn to use my nose. But I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I think this teacher's kind of nuts. I'm going to find another one. Okay, that's fine. So it's not submission, you see. It's surrender one assignment at a time. That's your job. Either make a case against it, bring the resistance you have, or do it. What's, what, what happens in the submission rebellion cycle is I'll kind of do it and then pull the relationship down into being a dabbling one, which the teacher will serve that. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.